welcome to Youth Unmasked, the podcast where we have candid conversations about the real challenges teenagers face today. From school life to friendships, mental health to pop culture, we're diving into it all with the aim of shedding light on the issues that matter most to our youth. Join us as we unmask the truths and share the experiences that make up the journey of being a teenager in the modern world. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to episode four of Youth Unmasked. What? Um, I am your host, Brandon, joined today by my wife, Alizé. Hello. And then we have Sarai. Hi. And also Mariah. Hey. Like I said, Connor is still out. He'll be out this episode, but we'll have him back soon next week. But before we get into our scripture, I have another game we're going to play. This one's a four-people game, so I will be included. Mm, Good. Loser. Loser. Loser will um, have to read the scripture. No, wait. Winner. Sorry. Winner reads scripture. So, what's going to happen? Some of y'all have probably heard or played this game before. But what we're going to do is we're going to go around in order. And you're going to make a noise. Oh, I hate Can I just say it? No, no. You have to make a noise. Who doesn't do it? You have to make a noise. I hate this game so much. You have to make a noise. And then um, if you laugh, you're out. And then I'll just you can laugh. Laugh. <laughs> if you can Wow <laughs> Yeah, I lost. Sorry. Okay. Let's you all need have to play a fighting this game. chance. Have a fighting chance this in this is one. The worst game too. I'm, so, with, I'm with Mariah. I like it. I Me and Alize, it's not we'll that bad the, of a game. We'll, we'll be the judges of the game. Right, Alize? No, I don't want to just no, go get spread. No, 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 yeah. no. I don't want to do that. Everybody put give your best effort. Maya. So um, a couple things. When you're speaking, please do not, like your mic, make sure you're far enough away from your mic to not blow the ears of the people listening. <laughs> and uh, same thing when you laugh. If you laugh, make sure you're not, like, laughing right into their ears. So um, Mariah's going to start us off. So everybody start. Go We're starting. So no laughter after. The, you, you can laugh, Mariah. But are you ready? Three, two, one, let's go. Are you for real? I don't like this game. I hate this game. Can someone else start? Anybody else? No. That's right. That was too loud. Wow. All right, Sarai, it's just me and you. You ready? Moo. This is this is a hard game. Yeah, I hate this game. It's um look sorry we have to look at each other let's do that we have to look at each other <laughs> yeah see yeah, because you're already yeah 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 I'm sorry that's part of the game you ready look at me it's look not me in the part eyes of the game. we're it's making it a part of the game right now that's what it's <laughs> right now it's part of the game 
you can't say you can't use the same sound you already made. I know, so. I know. I'm trying to figure out one. Um. Said she can't make the same sound she made. Um, uh, did you not laugh? No, I smiled. Is that oh. counting as laughing? I, I no, because I no, a little. No, oh, I, I was like, my, I was I going like smiling. this with my foot. Oh, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, <sighs> <laughs> you laughed. I laughed. <laughs> I, I will say that was you did that sound already, but you, I laughed. No, I did not. Yeah, you did. All right, sorry. Give us your verse. <laughs> give us your verse. Oh, it's your verse. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> uh, so my verse is Jeremiah seventeen, uh, five. It says, "This is what the Lord says." Curses is the person who trusts in mankind. He makes human flesh his strength, and his heart turns from the Lord. Okay. Mm. How does that make you feel? Um, I think that I really like that one just because it has... I think that a lot of humans like... Especially people who aren't in like a Christian walk and everything, um, but like even Christian people, they still they turn to their flesh a lot, which is like your human body that you're in and like what your desires desires are. And I really like it because it's saying that like um, if you if you turn to your flesh, then you're turning your heart away from the Lord. Like you can't like turn your, f- you can't turn to your flesh, and then still be right with the Lord, mm-hmm. you know. That's what that's what I thought. It's good. I like it. Any other comments? How was it? Um. So for me, honestly, like hearing that, it's like. Um, I would like piggybacking off of what you said. Um, basically, like. We can tend to idolize ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, we can tend to think, well, we got it all together. Um, and this is just like Christian walk. Mm-hmm. Um, we got it. Or even sometimes, God, you can have this part, but not this part. I got it. Myself has it. Or even just as uh, simple as a. Putting your trust in humans or um, humans, and I mean, like, I mean, we could be doing that with money too. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Your job, um, th- those are things of that humans <laughs> do, yeah. um, and we can tend to idolize those things over God. And seeing it here, um, it's basically God saying, like. If you put your trust in human, um, then your hearts were t- turned away from the Lord. Yeah. And But the thing is, is that honestly, it's kind of scary, like, because 
sometimes without even realizing it, we do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but but in that, we're turning ourselves away from God. And, I mean, obviously doing that puts you apart from him. And it's so easy to do it, like I said. That's why I think it's a, sometimes it could be a little scary because without realizing it, we're doing those things yeah. daily. It kind of makes you think, like, how many times have I actually done that? Like, how many times have I unintentionally turned my heart away from the Lord because I did what my flesh wanted me to do? Yeah. It's like, it's like one of those questions, like, it's like a, it just like stimulates your brain. You're like, how many times have I actually done that without even realizing it? You know? Yeah. That's good. I like it. (coughs) Well, I want to get into both topics we have today. Mm -hmm. So, um without wasting too much time. I want to get into them. This first one um, is probably going to be the one that is going to be, I would say, most relatable for everybody in a different aspect, in a different way. And um, to start off, we can all go. I can go first if I need to. But I want to talk about how depression and anxiety have affected your own lives and in every aspect um physical mental social um emotional spiritual whatever it may be and i want you guys to dive in and just kind of talk to the people the people who are listening the students the parents the young adults and and let them know how depression has affected you um I, I said i can go first i will go first so being a um, a man there's this weird like um stigma around depression and anxiety pretty much saying like that's not a thing like men men aren't depressed you're not depressed you're sad or maybe it's for a moment um, so growing up, that is a lot of how I lived. I can't pinpoint, I can't say for sure, I can't confirm that there was a point in time where I have been depressed as a like as a young kid. But I can say that as I've grown up and become more aware of this mental like this, I, w- I mean, I can call it a mental illness. Um, obviously, some people are affected more than others. Yeah. Some people are clinically depressed and have like severe, severe anxiety. Um, I would say I'm blessed and fortunate enough to not be in that position to where I've had to be medicated for it. Yeah. But I have had my moments of depression and a lot of it started I would say when I was around the age of 17 to 18, I was actually, I was in a relationship. There was a point in time where I was told like, man, I'm just sad today in a depressive state. Like, you know, if you've dealt with depression or anything, there's days where your life could be going great and you still wake up and you're sad. 
And so this is what it was. And I remember specifically saying, like, well, what's making you sad? And she was like, well, I'm just sad. There's really nothing. And I remember it turned into a whole thing, like a whole argument, because I was like, that makes no sense. If you're sad, you're sad for a reason. So what are you sad for? Why are you sad? And I mean, on and on, I'm talking for hours. It was, I can't explain to you why I'm sad. And I was like, did I do something? Did, And it, it was an all day thing. And it's something that lives with me because that was the day that some awareness was actually brought on to me. I've always been a very upbeat type person. I've always been a very positive. Um, I'd like to say I've always been a positive influence in the people that I come across as life. When it comes to friends or relationships or family, like I would like to think that I've always been kind of the positive, the upbeat guy, the glass half full, the optimist of my social life. I, I, I believe I still am that today, but what that did was it created some toxicity in me that said like, you're not really sad, like just kind of get over it, you know? I would be that guy to be like, just quit being sad already. Like I would say, I hate when people are just constantly sad, like, and it never dawned on me that depression is a real thing. Mm -hmm. I tell people all the time, I believe in God. I. I walk with what the Bible says. I believe in prayer. I believe in healing. I believe in the miraculous and <clears throat> all these different things. But that does not mean that there is still an enemy who is trying to attack. Um, not only just young people, but older people and all these things. And in a way that they get to them is through depression. I think one of the easiest ways that pe the enemy grabs a hold of people is through their mind. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you can talk about like uh, physical health and physical illness, but it's through their mind where people really, really, really struggle. <clears throat> so I was about 18. That all happened. Um, fast forward to probably being 20 years old. Um, I moved out of my, my parents' house. I, I was just, I mean, it was just time. I had been living there since I was 15. I mean, I lived with them forever, but that specific house had been five years. I was already working a steady job, had had my own life. I was paying my own bills, and I thought, I'm just going to move out. I'm going to go get my own apartment. I'm going to live on my own. And it was a, such a good idea on paper. And then out of nowhere, I move in. Man, this is so cool. I, I don't have any rules. I can drive. I can do whatever I need to do. I don't have a curfew. I don't have to check in with nobody. I don't got to do anything. For about two months, I was on that high, this like freedom high. And then after about two months, life kind of set in. So I remember <coughs> being in my room. Um, when I moved out, I moved into a one bedroom apartment. I didn't room. I didn't move out with the roommate. I was single at the time. Um, like there was really nothing going on in my life. I was just working. Um, I was actually working two jobs. So I'd get up, I'd go to work. I'd come home on the weekends. I would 
get home from work on Friday, get ready for my other job, do that all weekend. I was living life. Yeah, I had friends. I had a social life. But in reality, I'd come home and I would just like do nothing. And there was a point in time where it had been weeks and um, weeks where I just wasn't hungry. I was constantly tired. Every second I had, I was asleep. If I wasn't at work, I was sleeping. There was times where I would skip work just to sleep. I have a picture on my phone where I like, I look so, like I look so skinny. I look sick. Mm-hmm. Like I posted a picture on social media and people were like, "Are you okay? Like, is everything okay? You look sick." My mom, it was even like, "I need to take you to the doctor," and I was fine. But what I didn't know was that depression had really set into my life. And it wasn't until we talked about last episode, Changing Seasons, I I took on this change and I didn't do it the way I should have. I did it with my own benefit in the center. I did it because I wanted to be free. I never did it because I wanted to glorify God. I never did it because I wanted to get close with him. I just did it because I wanted to be free. And so what that what happened was I became depressed. And I remember my mom jokes all the time. She said, like, oh, you lost a lot of weight when you used to live by yourself because you just you had no money. She's not saying I was broke, but she was saying I just was bad at managing. I I actually was fine financially. It was mentally I struggled. And I remember sitting there one night and I get a text from her. And I was, I was alone. And she was like, I love you. She would, everyone thought, love you, praying for you. And I would say, I love you too. Um, and I remember taking a screenshot and I had this like, they called them burner Twitter accounts where you only had like maybe 10 people following it. It was a private account. Nobody knew it was you. And you would just post whatever. Like there was no filter. And I remember putting it on this account. And I said, it, my, I said something like, my heart hurts because she thinks I'm doing okay. But in reality, like, I'm dying on the inside. And um, <laughs> to be honest, there was, there was part of that that I was just trying to be funny. I was trying to joke around with people. But there was a part of me that was really, really, really hurting. Not because I couldn't do it. Not because um, I was bad at what I did. Not because I wasn't happy with my life. That was probably the hardest thing. I had just bought a new vehicle, um, new to me. I had just bought a new apartment. I had just, I bought my own food. I had money in the bank. And yet there was something that in me, I was just feeling so empty. And I would, like I hated waking up. I hated doing life. I hated doing all these things. And... Finally, I sat there and I was like, I think I'm depressed. And you may think, oh, so you went and you got help. No, I didn't get help. No, I actually just continue, continued on to live. To be honest, I, um, I tried to self heal with my social life. Um, I was 21, so I was drinking. I was going to parties. I was, I was living the typical 21 year old life with quotations around that. Um, but that was not the life that I was called to live. And so I'd have fun. 
I'd have so much fun in the moments, and then I would go home, and I'd still be alone, and I'd still be sad. And then it honestly wasn't until I ended up meeting Alizé. Um, I, another season changed. I moved out of there, moved into another apartment with the roommate, and remind me, when I did that evaluation, that was about six months into being with a roommate. Yeah. It was in. It was actually probably in May or June of 2021 or 2022, because I remember um, I finally reached out to somebody, yeah. and I was like, I don't know how I'm feeling. And they referred me to a therapist, and the therapy thing, I was like, they were like, oh, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to send you this, like, online survey. You're going to fill it out, and it's going to diagnose you. I was like, okay, like, I'm just going to, it's just going to be like, whatever. And So I filled it out, and I was freaking out because some of the stuff that it was asking was, like, spot on. Like, it was like, oh, you really can't sleep at night. Um, you're not always hungry, this, that, and other, just things. And it turned out that it gave me, like, the diagnosis of having, um, like, depression. I think it was, like, severe anxiety or something like that. And in that moment, like, I stared at the screen and I was like, uh, well. Became real. Mind you, I had been doing ministry for two years already. I, w I already had um, a youth group of 50 kids. I had already, um, I was, I mean... I was in a pastoral role at the church. I had people who looked up to me. Um, I had, I was in a relationship, a very serious one with Alizé. Like that was still in our, before we even were a year. And I sat there and I stared at a screen that told me I was like severely anxious and um, severely depressed. And in that moment, I told myself like, what the heck? I honestly struggled to believe it. Like, I was like, ah, it's just the computer. And then it wasn't until I went and I sat with the therapist and we talked. And she was like, <laughs> therapists are crazy because they're like, tell me about your life. And you just say it to a stranger. You don't know this person at all. And I I sat there and there was, a, there was moments where I just felt so broken. And honestly, the depression got me so bad that I almost felt like a fraud for what I was doing. I would sit there and think to myself, like, how am I going to be in a, in a leadership role? How am I going to lead students? How am I going to lead a church? Um, in my sights was to start my own church, not anytime soon, but I thought to myself, like, man, I want to have my own church one day because I love people that much. And then I, I thought to myself, how can you say that if you can't even love yourself enough and not be depressed? And I was just... Honestly, like, I don't know how to explain it. I was, I almost felt like I lied to myself. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I was lying to everybody. I almost felt like I was living a different life where I had to finally face the facts that I had issues. And I remember I was embarrassed. Um, I didn't even want to tell Alizé. I don't even think I told my parents. I didn't. Um, I might have told one of the pastors at the church, but I was, like, embarrassed. I just thought to myself, like, how can you be this person for somebody? How can you be a mentor for somebody and somebody who loves them when they feel unlovable, yet 
you can't even love yourself. And to be honest, there was a point in time where I thought of like throwing in the towel and being like, I'm not doing this no more. How can I be such a fraud? And I finally, like it dawned on me. And there was a point in time where I had to tell myself, I had to hold myself accountable. And I had to, and even my therapist had said it like, she said like, you cannot control these things, but you can control the way that you react. You can control the things that you do. And I had a, I had a point in time where I had to sit there and say like, I've been living my life wrong. Being in a new relationship, um, a serious one, one that I knew I was going to marry this woman one day. Um, I told my, like, I told myself, I'm going to put God first. I'm going to do this. Being in ministry, I said, I'm going to put God first. I'm going to do this. Um, working, I was like, I'm going to put God first before I do this. And it was all fine and good on paper. Like, I, I said it on paper. Mm-hmm. But I never lived it in real life. And I sat and I was just like, how could this happen? And it wasn't until I realized that I wasn't living my life the correct way. I put other things before God. I would wake up and the first thing I would do is think about my day. What do I have to get done that day? This, that, and other. First thing I would do is text Alize and say, good morning. Hope you have a great day. This and that. <laughs> there was times where I'd be like, I'm praying for your day. I didn't pray for her day at all. Not because I didn't love you, but because I was a liar. Depression made me a liar. I would tell people all the time, man, I'm doing good. Life's good. Having fun. This and that. And I'd go home and I would just like, I would sit there and just kind of sulk in my own sorrows. And I'm not going to sit here and like lie and be like, oh, I almost did. No, but there's, there was a, there was pretty dark places in my life where it affected and it even affected my relationship with Alize. There was a point in time where I, I just hated everything. And um, she'd be like, Cause there's, did I do something? And I'd be like, no. Like, I didn't know. It's not you. I don't know what it is. And it hurt me so bad to see me hurt other people. And I remember vividly, um, there was a point in time. Now, Again, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not lying. I'm not I'm not going to paint a fake picture. I'm going to be transparent. But there was a point in time where I thought to myself, like, life would be different if I wasn't here. Um, I thought to myself, yeah, but then you'd hurt everybody else. And then I thought again, like, but that's their problem now. Mm-hmm. And I had to tell myself, like, that is so selfish. Yeah. That is so selfish. Yeah. To sit there and try to get rid of my own sorrows and just throw them all on other people. And truthfully, it was a huge just moment where I had to be broken down so much. I I almost had to hit rock bottom. And rock bottom looks different for everybody. My rock bottom wasn't me strung out on drugs. Um, like, like homeless and stuff. Rock bottom was me. In a, in a loving relationship, part of a great church um, with a roof over my head and money to pay the bills with a, with a good job. And I was still at rock bottom. Mm-hmm. And I had to realize that, like, m- I still mattered in that way. And 
I had to do it, and since then, I mean, there's been episodes where I felt like, man, it's coming back, like I'm struggling again. But I've had to learn how to deal with it, and I've had to learn how to not deal with it like it's, I'm not, I'm going to take back the word deal with it. I've had to learn to face it and be stronger than it. And um, it's been a journey, and I, I, I mean, the journey is going to continue. But that is kind of how it's affected my life in, in a very, very, I mean, tragic way and in a very pivotal way. Go ahead. No. Um, uh, for when I found out, like, I took that test too, but I took it while someone was asking me the questions. And then um, she brought my mom in there and then told mom what was, anyways. Let me start from the beginning. So, um, I had, it was, um, in December of 2022 when I found out that I was, they told me I was severely depressed and and I had severe anxiety. And, um, and it was, it was like, a realization for me like like I thought I was just feeling some type of way but I didn't know why I was feeling that way Mm -hmm. and then um but why why I felt like that it was because when I went to church and when I was around other people I was always the happy person and so I felt like if I if I wasn't that happy person around those people anymore then they're going to be asking me questions and every time I got asked a question, like, hey, are you okay? Like, are you doing okay? I either lie to them or I break down. And then my mom has this dumb game called the, what's it called? We're not really strangers. We're not really I strangers. I hate that game. I, that <laughs> I freaking game. hate that game. It's we sit game. at the table. Okay, so every time we play it, I get this one card, and it says, how are you really? And one time I was sitting at the table. All my family was there. And I just start bawling, and my mom was like, what's wrong why aren't you okay i was like i'm fine and she was like she was like you're gonna it's okay like just tell me and i was like i don't want to tell you and so every time we get that that game i take that card out and i throw it in the trash can or i throw it in the fire pit <laughs> oh my god I was like, we're getting rid of this question I'm right now i'm not gonna answer this question but i would like i would always be that one person that would be the joy in the room that i would always bring the light into the room at least at, at least that's what I think but like I was always okay for other people so when they're not okay they had someone okay to go to but I wasn't okay and so when I had um when let me see where was I I lost it oh gosh the game how are you really mm. going to people yeah. not being able to go to the people coming to you not oh yes okay so i would always like when my dad would preach he would um he would always say like if that's if this message spoke out to you come to the altar and get prayed for and so i always put myself aside for other people and i would tell them like i would tell myself like i don't really need it like there's other people that need it more Mm. and so i would be like no it's okay i'll go next time and I'll go next time, but I felt the Holy Spirit telling me, go get prayed for. And then 
I found that I was severely depressed and I had severe anxiety and it it was like it made me feel more depressed that I found out that that's what was wrong with me and so um I do know like my mom would be like what's wrong I'm like I, don't, I think I'm just tired but I wasn't I wasn't tired I would have a straight face but my face would automatically change when I went to church or when I was at school and the church face is such like I feel like everybody has a church face or a church voice and so it's like they change their attitudes and they put a smile on their face or like you know like when your mom's getting mad at you and then and in the car and then when you get out of the car she's like hey how's it going that's how I felt when I was going to church and so <laughs> and so when that was happening I would just call the space for other people who weren't okay to go to me because I was okay at the time. And so um, after they told me I was, um, I had depression and anxiety, I'd been known I had anxiety, but depression was new because I was like, I can never just be depressed. I was like, I'm too, I feel like I'm too happy for that right now. I was not happy, I was faking it. And so I had to, I had to, um, let myself not be okay so um so I can get on that road to being okay and so I had to I cried a lot that's all I remember I really did cry a lot and then I went to therapy and I'm still going to therapy but my therapy sessions my mom would make it every week and so every week on Tuesdays my mom would pick me up early and I'd have I'd have therapy and she would do like, um, I don't know what it's called, but it's the one where they snap or they do the little eye thing. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I don't know what it exactly is. It's like a whole bunch of letters. I don't know. Anyway, oh. but she would do that to me and I would just start falling asleep in therapy. Because I would be like, why is this girl snapping at my face? Like, get your fingers out of my face. Your fingers smell like Cheetos. And so. <laughs> oh, scream. Oh, do a scream? I mean, I just know. Anyways. <laughs> And so, it was just, like, I had to make sure that I was okay before I could help any other people. Because it's it's also that <coughs> thing, like, you have to make sure your cup is full before you can pour into other people. And so, I, I would always pour into other people's cups. I would have a smile on my face. I would help teach and hope kids, even though I was burnt out. I would, um... I would go pray for people or I would tell them, yeah, I'm praying for you, but I wouldn't pray for them. And it was just like that. Like, it it was such a low point in my life, and I was struggling, and nobody saw it because of how good I was at hiding it. Because as growing up, I always felt like I had to hide it because my mom would hide it and my dad would hide it. And so I was like, if they're hiding it, then I have to hide it too. And yeah. Nice. Not nice, but nice. Well, okay. <laughs> Sweet. Sweet. <laughs> um for me, um I could write a whole book, but um I'll give you the words. The page. The page. <laughs> the essay, the small essay. Summary. Um, yeah, the summary. The um, 
So it's kind of similar to Brandon. Um, I grew up in a household, in a Hispanic household at that, that you had to be tough. If there was something wrong with you, um, you're crazy or you're weak. Um, you had to pull it together no matter what. Um, that's just how the Hispanic household is. You not really allowed, at least um, older generations at least, um, you, no matter what, you're okay. And that's how it is. That's how life is. Um, so I don't think I fully, and I talked about like my childhood trauma in past episodes, but um, for me, it was the same way with depression and, and anxiety. Um, I didn't, so like when I thought of depression as a younger kid, well, I thought of being sad and crying all the time and I surely did not do any of those things. Um, I was never a crier. I was number one, I wasn't allowed to be a crier, but um, so I never, it never dawned on me until I got to high school and like I said, I was always told to push through, act like everything okay was okay, when life could be pretty sucky at times. I would still act like it was good. But it wasn't until um, I went, so I went to school for psychology and counseling. And um, it wasn't until I started getting into those classes where I really started to, to learn about it, first of all, but then it wasn't until I met a girl on my team for volleyball who one day was just like, I'm feeling depressed. And she went on about it and I was just kind of annoyed because we had a game and I was like, suck it up, like push through it, um, you're fine. I like literally legit told her and she could have been like really depressed. Like she probably was, I'm pretty sure she was. But in my mind I was like, I literally legit told her, you're fine. Like, and she was struggling and I was just like, you're fine. But not because, it was just because I really didn't fully understand depression at that. Um, it wasn't until I learned, like I said, I was in the classes, but I fully learned that depression doesn't always look like sadness or, or um, the typical things you think of when, of depression. For me, Depression was irritability, snapping, getting angry fast, um, not being able to um, hold it together. Like, and because I was so quick, no matter what, to get angry, and I didn't realize and I didn't know why. But it wasn't because I was sad or anything. But it was just I was so angry or so so irritated someone could say the smallest of thing and I'd be like you're so dumb I can't stand you like I would be just so annoyed um but that I mean that's what it was for me it wasn't um it wasn't it didn't always look like sadness didn't look like like it just didn't look like that for me and then well like I said in past episodes trauma really came to light for me and then that's when I really started to feel um, the depression and um, I mean I obviously didn't hand it, handle it very well 
Um, I struggled, but I didn't really know how to talk about it. I didn't really know how to handle it. Like Brennan, he just kind of kept going with life. I started, just kept going with life. Um, it wasn't until I went to my next college um, in Arkansas that um, I talked about how I really felt because a friend pushed me to um, really say that I felt a certain way. And um, but she literally made me open up and she'd like ask me questions like nobody ever asked me before. And so like it was weird number one, because talking about my feelings was not a thing that I did, um, nor was crying. And so she like was like, I think you should see a therapist. Like she was one of those friends like you can count on to tell you the truth and to be real with and hold you accountable. And um, so I tried the school therapist and Nobody really, I went to like three different, I've been to a total four therapists. Um, none of them were licensed to the point where they can um, actually diagnose me. Um, but most of them were like, oh, it sounds like depression. Oh, it sounds like anxiety. Um, so that's kind of how the whole di diagnosis came for me. But it wasn't really like a, yes, you have it. I. As I studied what I was studying, I realized that all of those things were what I had. And it was easy for me to say, okay, I was struggling with this. Um, and it was hard, life was hard. Um, I could say there was a point in time throughout figuring life out, figuring out trauma that I had experienced, um, that there was a time I didn't want to live either. Um, there was a time where I thought, like Brandon said, life would just be a whole lot better without me. Um, and so I, I tried, I tried getting the help that I needed to. Um, and there's, I will say, like even till today, like there's days where I feel like, I mean, I don't think you ever fully like, like get. I wouldn't say that you don't get past it, but I don't, there's days that you still kind of see it creeping in and you still kind of let it, it kind of spits in with you. Um, but like Brennan said, you have to like stand and fight it. Like you have to sit, like you have to literally face it and go through it and say, okay, it really, it takes like identifying it. Number one, I am going through this right now it is not, it's, I'm not okay, but I'm gonna deal with it, and I'm gonna pray through it, and I'm gonna get through it. Um, and anxiety for me, I, I, for me it didn't go hand in hand. It wasn't both of them combined. It was mm -hmm. more like I had one at some point in time, and then I had anxiety at some point in time. Mm. It, was, it wasn't hand in hand for me. I don't, I don't feel like it. Um, they always mentioned it, but it was kind of brief when they talked about anxiety. I didn't really truly feel anxiety until, um, till COVID, till COVID hit. Um, and my dad was really like, I wouldn't say he was scared, but like he was like very, 
And he was scared. He was highly cautious about it, like to the point like he was rubbing his face with Lysol. Like like he was that like if he went to <laughs> he, if he went to work, like if I went to work, I had to come home and undress myself before I got in the house and go straight to the shower. Because he didn't want my clothes touching the house. My shoes touching the house. Like it was it was that severe, like he was that Scared, yeah. So that projected onto me that if I go into my home or if I get sick, then I'm gonna hurt the people around me. I'm gonna hurt those around me, which set in anybody that, like Brennan talked about in the first episode, I think, like anybody that even coughed, I'm like, man, I think I'm sick, like I'm going crazy, like. I, I have COVID, like, it came, it became a, a really bad, it became a really bad anxiety for me, to the point where I didn't want to get sick at all, even after COVID calmed down, I was like, I was terrified, like, I was like, I'm, and it wasn't even that I was scared to get sick for myself, but it was a point that if I got sick, that the people around me could get sick too. Mm-hmm. And I would be potentially putting them in harm. And that that really hurt the most, thinking that I was going to hurt somebody else. Yeah. Um, and that's when it really set in. It set in to the point where, like, I was sick. Like, I was physically feeling sick all the time because I didn't want to be sick. But then I, in neurology, neuro, sorry, that word, I'm not even going to say it. It, it was so hard that in my mind, I literally told myself, like, talked myself into sicknesses. Yeah. But that's how, it wo- that's that's how my mind works. Yeah. And that, that was, like, my whole phase of anxiety. Like, I literally was, like, like so scared to get sick. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how those two things kind of happened for me. Uh, For me, it's a lot. It's a lot different than, like, y'all's, but it's still, um, so whenever it came to anxiety with me, it was more like social anxiety. It was very, like, I was very scared to talk to people. I was very scared to just go out and meet new people. There was a point in time in middle school where, I mean, I would always, like, I mean, me and I have been friends since we were little. Like, we, like... Yeah, exactly. Like, it was, like, two months and after that, we were just best friends. Like, it was, like, automatic. And, um, I feel like for a long time, I kind of depended on Mariah to make friends because once she made friends, I could just be friends with them, too. And I think that that was actually really bad whenever it came to my social life because that meant that me and Mariah didn't have, like, any time that we weren't really together. It was kind of always like we were together all the time. And um, I think it was mainly because I was so scared of, like, rejection mm-hmm. that I would literally, like, I would make myself sick thinking about, like, making new friends. Like, I would literally, like, the first day at school... You know the first day of school whenever they make you do, like, icebreakers during <laughs> middle school? I hated those because 
I didn't, like, especially in a class, I didn't have anybody in there. Like, the first day of sixth grade, I was so, I was so nervous because, like, I had so much anxiety in this, like, I just had so much anxiety because I was like, well, what if, what if, like, what if they don't like me? What if, like, they just reject me and stuff like that? And I think I had such a bad fear of rejection that it, like, made me physically sick. And even, like, in elementary school, I would, I would literally make myself throw up in the morning to where I, like, literally couldn't, I would, I would make myself throw up so my parents would let me stay home because I was so scared to go to school and actually socialize. I was so, I was always just so nervous and so anxious when it came to that, and it was very, um... It was really detrimental to my social life because there was a point in time where I like I would sit there and I'd be like, "Dang, like I have no other f- like other friends out of my like three people that like I hang out with all the time," and I was like, "Dang, that's kind of embarrassing." And but then also I was like, "Like, what am I gonna do? Like, I can't just have them, you know." I think that I think it's a very good thing to keep your your circle that. Um, like, your close circle small, but I still think you should have other people that you go talk to and stuff like that, and I was, like, you know, the point in time when I was, like, I don't know what I'm gonna do, like, if I don't, if I can't find other friends, and that was always my experience with anxiety, but whenever it came to depression, it was always, like, um, so I had, so, but in my testimony and stuff like that, I had, uh, had two strokes, of the, in like two two summers ago. Was it three? Or I think two. 21. It two. was it was it was two. It was this it was the summer of twenty twenty one. I on July twelfth I had a stroke. I had to be sent by plane to Dallas to go to Cook's hospitals, children like that. The, the children's hospital over there. Um, and then I went there. Five days later, I had another stroke. Then there was a point in time where my hand was like... my my It was it affected my left, right side. Affected my right side, so like pretty much it was really hard for me. My arm was locked in, and I like wasn't able to move my hand that much. My leg would drag all the time and stuff like that. And I think that there was a point in time where I was, I was very in denial about how much it affected me. Cause I mean, when people would come over to me, whenever I came home, I spent twenty eight days at the hospital. I came home and I went to church that Wednesday. I think it was a Wednesday, the first day. That we came home. We came home late at night. The next day was Wednesday. We went to church. And everybody asked me how I was doing. I was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And I really think I was in... I, I believe that I was in denial. But I think that there was a point in time where I kind of like... That that foundation like kind of cracked. Of me just saying I'm fine all the time. And I was... I didn't even tell anybody. I, it was kind of like something that I had to do it myself, which I don't mm-hmm. recommend that at all. But it was just, I, 
I was in my room one time and I was like, wait, I'm not flying. I'm like, I'm not flying at all. Like, yeah. and at that point, I was, it's only been a few months that I was home. But I was like, I was like, I'm just like, I just need, I'm just not fine. I just need some, I just need something. I need something. And then I went back to school. School, freshman year, it wasn't the best. It also wasn't the worst, but it definitely wasn't the best. I didn't have, I had friends and everything, but I just didn't have as much social interactions as I believe I should have, especially for my freshman year in high school. But after that, summer came, and we went to church camp of the summer of 2022, and that church camp really saved my life. Like, it was like, it really saved my life just because I, it was probably one of the first of my own interactions with God as much as I felt it over there. I've always felt God and stuff like that, and that's always been something that I felt and stuff like that. But with that much power, that was the first time I ever felt it for myself at the first year of church camp. And that year really saved my life because that was the point in time where I had to realize, like, I can't do it by myself. Like, I can't keep it all bottled up. Because if you do that, eventually you're just going to pop. And it's just not going to be good for you or anybody around you. You can't be you can't be so selfish that you don't think that nobody will be affected around you. You know? Yeah. yeah. I think um, depression is... Let me see here. One second. One second, one second. So, there's millions of people, studies say, um, hundreds of millions of people struggle with depression. I think a lot of it has to do with, um, there's there's plenty of different things. Um, don't hear what I'm not saying. I know there's like chemical imbalances in your head and um, all these things and um, I will forever trust in medicine trust in all these things i've said it before but i do believe that depression can be helped through a walk with god and and a genuine walk with god there's a difference between i'm gonna pray for you and i'm gonna pray for myself and just saying that and not doing it Mm -hmm. and you praying without even telling people and there's a bunch of different different things. One of the things that the Bible talks about is rest. Whenever coming for somebody in my experience, one of the hardest things that I dealt with with depression is rest. I either felt like I was resting too much or I felt unrested. And there was times where I could sleep for hours and I could wake up and still be tired. And we look for this earthly rest. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 11, uh, Jesus is talking. And 
He says, come to me, all who are tired and are carrying heavy loads, and I will give you rest. Become my servants and learn from me. Learn from me. I am gentle and free of pride. You will find rest for your souls. Serving me is easy, and my load is light. And God's saying that there is a lot of us who, it's crazy, we've created a culture where rest seems like it needs to be earned. Mm-hmm. Especially when you live in a life of depression. You tell yourself, I haven't done enough. I haven't done enough to, to earn the rest. I haven't done enough to do everything I need to do to get rest. I don't deserve it. Um, but in reality, the Bible says that you have undeserving rest mm-hmm. in God. And this is a rest that you don't have to do anything to, like you don't have to go out of your way. He says, just serve me. And he says that serving him is going to be a lighter load than all the depression that you feel, all the pain that you feel, all the hurt that you feel. And that if you do that, it can help you. And then the book of Psalms, chapter 91 says, whoever rests in the shadow of the most high God will be kept safe by the mighty one. I will say about the Lord, he is my place of safety. He is like a fort to me. He is my God. I trust in him. He will certainly save you from hidden traps and from deadly sickness. He will cover you with his wings. Under the feathers of his wings, you will find safety. He is faithful. He will keep you safe like a shield or a tower. You won't have to be afraid of the terrors that come during the night. You won't have to fear the arrows that come at you during the day. You won't have to be afraid of the sickness that attacks in the darkness. You won't have to fear the plague that destroys at noon. A thousand may fall dead at your side and 10,000 may fall near your right hand, but no harm will come to you. You will see with your own eyes how God punishes sinful people. Suppose you say the Lord is the one who keeps me safe and suppose you let the most high God be like a home to you. Then no harm will come to you. No terrible plague will come near your tent. The Lord will command his angels to take good care of you. They will lift you up in their hands, and then you won't trip over a stone. You will walk on lions and cobras. You will crush mighty lions and poisonous snakes. The Lord says, I will save the one who loves me. I will keep him safe, because he trusts in me, and he will call out to me. And I will answer him. I will be with him in times of trouble. I will save him and honor him. I will give him a long and full life. I will save him. And so everybody talks about when, we, when we're depressed, we feel so alone. We feel so vulnerable. I've never felt more, more vulnerable than when I was in a state of depression. Um, and this scripture, if you're dealing with depression... I want you to get, it's just Psalms 91, and it's the whole chapter. It's very short. And I want you to recite this because it says everything. It says, the one who rests in the shadow of the Most High. There's that word again, rest. You deserve rest. You do not need to earn rest. God paid the price for your rest. Um, he is my place of safety. When you feel depression on you, When you feel vulnerable, when you feel unsafe, he is your place of safety. He will save you from hidden traps. The traps of depression sometimes are so hidden. 
we just talked about that it was not until some of us hit rock bottom that we realized. And it's like a trap that says, hey, you're depressed. But if you rest in him, he will help you heat. And from all the deadly sickness, I believe depression and anxiety are a cancer to a generation that is just trying to kill them off one by one by one by one. It says he'll cover you with his wings and under his feathers you will find safety. That you can find safety when God wraps his arms around you. It says he is faithful. Now it never says that, oh, you're not going to deal with it no more. But it says you will be safe. It says he is faithful. You won't have to be afraid of the terrors that come. All the terrors of depression and anxiety and the worry that you have to be in this world and talk to people and have social anxiety. You won't have to worry about those terrors. You won't have to fear the arrows that come at you. We get anxiety because people constantly shoot these arrows of hatred and judgment and hurt and how much they think we're weird. And you won't have to worry about those. And you won't have to be afraid of the sickness that attacks in the darkness. At times we get in such a dark place. We take ourselves to the lowest part of our life. And that's exactly where the enemy strikes. We say it all the time. There's not, whenever a lion is hunting, it does not go after the strong, fast, healthy gazelles and, and impalas and stuff. If it sees it, it can, it'll pick off a sick one who's hurt and who's doing these things. And at times, we make ourselves to the lowest point and we're so vulnerable that we're just like a hurt gazelle waiting to get captured but it says God because of God you won't have to be afraid of that you won't have to fear the plagues and it even says right here a thousand may fall dead at your side and ten thousand may fall near your right hand but no harm will come to you we live in a generation where depression leads to drug abuse and drug abuse leads to teen deaths and we're seeing it more and more and more where we see kids who can't even walk the stage of graduation because they are so depressed they felt like nobody heard them that they had to look to drugs, look to pills, and they end up dying. And I believe that saying that you're going to be in a generation, you're going to see it firsthand because everybody has a choice. This walk with God is voluntary. It is the only right choice to make, but it is a voluntary choice nonetheless. And you will see thousands of people die because they don't want to make that choice. Mm-hmm. But if you can confide in God, if you can say, God, I love you. I'm okay to be weird. I trust you with my depression. I trust you with my anxiety. It does not matter how many will fall around you. You will never be harmed. Mm-hmm. And then it says multiple times that God says that. He will save us. He will give us a long life. He will keep us safe. Depression and anxiety are very real. Don't ever think, don't ever live a life where you think it's not real. Mm-hmm. And you say, no, this isn't a real thing. It's very real. And it affects generations and generations and generations. And there's a generation that's listening that has the power and the ability to stop it right where it's at and say we will not be defined by depression we will not be defined by anxiety 
But because of that, we have to find our happiness in God. We have to do these things. And if we don't, we will constantly see history repeat itself. So we're running out of time. We're actually running out of battery. So before we go, we're going to pray with you. So wherever you're at, if you've been dealing with anxiety or depression or hurt or pain, I want you to stop what you're doing unless you're driving and close your eyes and bow your heads. We're going to pray. Heavenly Father, today we ask that you uh, be with those who are listening. If they've struggled with depression or anxiety or any other mental illness at that, um, we pray that you are the light in their lives. We pray that you guide them through this, this hard time, this hurtful time, this painful time. Lord, we pray that, that they understand and that they know that it's not their depression or it's not their anxiety or mental illness. It's not, it's not what you call us to be. So I pray that they know that, that they know that it's a, it's, it's a season. It's not forever. It's not who they are. It's not who you're calling them to be. Um, and I pray that you just comfort them. Pray that you just help them be love, feel loved in a moment of darkness. Let them know that they're not alone. In Jesus' name, I pray. Well, we love you guys. We thank you guys. If you guys ever need somebody to talk to, we would rather hear you and your issues than have to see you be buried before you can walk the stage. So you can reach out to us at Youth Unmasked. If you have any topics you want to talk about, hear talked about, you can reach us at Youth Unmasked. We love you guys. We thank you. We'll talk to you later. Bye.